You know, one of the most awkward ways to start a conversation is something like this. Uh, excuse me. Uh, do you have any jumper cables? You ever been there? <laughs> I've been there more times than I can count. Uh, in fact, uh, one of our cars is a really old car, and uh, I don't ever have to ask that question because I treat my jumper cables like you would treat an American Express card. Like, don't leave home without it. Like, you're going to need this. Just someone's borrowing my car right now. I was like, just so you know, uh, you're, go- you're going to need this. <laughs> it's just going to be part of the deal. Uh, no judgment, no judgment. So if that's you, and you- but it, it's, it's, it's inconvenient. Because what it probably means is that you were the dummy who left your lights on, and now you got to drag somebody else into your mess <laughs> and get you like, can you jump my car? Uh, but here's the thing. I would much rather have to jump my car than to find out that my car is totally totaled, you know? Because it's salvageable. The thing about a jump start is that it's, it's only a temporary problem. You, you probably need a new battery. Your alternator's going bad. You need something going on. Uh, but you can get your car started. You can get back, get back along your day. It's not a total loss. Here's the deal. Many times our faith, our faith can be a lot like that situation with the dead battery in your car. You're not completely dead, but man, you could use a hand. You could use someone to come alongside and give you a jump start. Because let's be real, faith is hard, isn't it? Yes, thank you, right? Let's be honest. Faith is difficult because we don't always know what steps to take. We don't know what's ahead of us. But let's go on a little journey, okay, for a second. Will you go on an imagination journey with me? Imagine this. Imagine that you had perfect faith. Like I'm talking about strong, unshakable faith. This is... This is imaginary, so we can all jump on this train. Just imagine that that could be you if you had absolute confidence that there is a God and he's got your back and that no matter what comes along, he's gonna take care of it. Like just imagine that you have that kind of faith, that when you face a rough patch in your life, you don't sweat it. You're not worried about it. You're like, cool, God's good. I'm fine. Imagine that. Imagine if you face temptation or doubt or fear that you could just cruise right past it because... My faith is so strong. I'm good. I'm fine. Imagine when good things are happening in your life. You don't take credit for it. You're not like, I'm good. You're like, you know what? God has blessed me. I'm so blessed. Imagine that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be great? Maybe you know some people like that. Maybe you're a grandma. We always talk about faithful grandmas. Granddads too. I want to give you guys credit. Granddads too. There's some faithful granddads. Maybe there's a, someone that you know from here at church. Maybe it's a coworker, And you're just like, man, I envy their ability to have faith, because I just don't have it. And I just can't scrape it together. When I see people with that unshakable faith, I'm inspired. In fact, sometimes I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> wow, like, maybe I'm a little bit judgmental. Maybe you've done this, like, you probably should worry about this a little bit more. Like, why? Well, hey, you're a little bit irresponsible just trusting God with everything, right? You know, so, but. I step back and look at them, I'm like, if I could just be more like that person. Imagine. Maybe you've wished that you could understand faith. I mean, that might be why you're here right now. It's January, and we kick off new habits in January. Like, okay, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try faith again. Hasn't worked for me in the past, but I'm going to try it again. And here's the deal. When we look at the Bible, we see faith is an option. Imagine if you could have that strong faith. Now here's something I wanna just kinda lay on your plate right now. I wanna check this out. That kind of faith is actually what God wants for you. And you can have it. 
you, it's not just for these outliers who are like, man, they're, they're, they're special. No, the faith can be attainable by anyone. When we look at the Bible, we see that faith is one of God's biggest goals for our life. And, and here's the thing, not just knowledge and understanding about God. That's not faith. Faith's not like I know all the answers. In fact, that's one of the things we come to God most often for. God, why? Explain. Answers, answer, answers. And here's the thing. God in his infinite wisdom often is like, mm, nope, nope, nope. Answers is not what you need right now. <laughs> you think you need answers, but that isn't going to help you. Not that God doesn't have answers, make no mistake about that. God has the answers, but because he's like, I, I, want, you, I want something else for you. I don't want you just to be a know-it-all. I want you to learn to believe in me and trust me and take your steps based on that trust and that faith. See, faith is this. I, I, there's a lot of definitions floating around for faith, and for me, this works for me, this definition. Faith is what bridges a gap between over here, what I know and understand, this is my knowledge base, okay, and then there's this thing over here that I do not know and I do not understand. And in order for me to get from this thing that I know to this thing that I do not know, the only thing that can bridge that gap is faith. I mean, at some point you've got to decide, am I going to take a step or not? And the things we have the most faith tend to be the th in, the things we have the most faith in tend to be the things that have the best track record. I can give you a great example. We got faith in something. Most of you in this room have faith in this one thing. The brakes on your car. I mean, they got a pretty good track record. I mean, like I'm driving my car and like I don't even hesitate. Something pulls in front of me and I'm just beep. I have found this to be true. When I touch the brakes on my car, my car generally slows down and or stops. Is it 100% foolproof? No. Do brakes fail sometimes? Yeah. There's some mechanical issues there. But here's the thing. The track record in my life for brakes is when I touch my brakes, something happens, and it's normally what I wish would happen. And it's actually it's working really good for other people too. And so I trust brakes. So when we have a really good track record, we tend to trust it more, right? I mean, that's a no-brainer. Here's the thing, though. Things that are untested, we tend to not trust as much. Like this, this past week, uh, was, uh, I was hanging out with my aunt, and she... Um, she had this new lady move into her house recently. It was over Christmas, actually. And uh, she doesn't know if she trusts this lady. Her name is Alexa. Uh, maybe, if you met Alexa, she might have moved into your house recently, too. Alexa, you know, like the Amazon Echo, whatever, like the digital assistant thing. And she's like, I, I just don't know if I trust that Alexa. They say she's listening all the time. Like, I just don't, I just don't know. And she came to me, she's like, do you know how you can shut her down? She, I was like, well, I mean, un, unplug her? I don't know. <laughs> Um, the jury's still out for my aunt. Does she have faith in Alexa? I don't know. But when we don't understand something, it's hard for us to have faith in it. And that's understandable. And God gets that. And that's why when we look at history, not just like, like ancient history in the Bible, though that's 100% true, but also people in our lives, you can look with your own eyes and you can see that God's track record for faithfulness is impeccable. God has got an amazing track record for being faithful. And what he wants us to do is to learn to live in that space. Well, because I know that God has been there in the past, I trust that he will be there for me in the present and in the future. Okay, so that brings me full circle back to the jumpstarting your car. We're starting a series today called Jumpstart. And the whole idea is that to kick off 2020, we want to come to a place where as a church family, we can all say, okay, this is something that is good for us. And this is something that we need. And that thing is stronger faith. 
Uh, I got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, there's a preacher down in Georgia. His name's Andy Stanley. You might have heard of him. He's written some books, and he's, he's a pretty well-known uh, preacher. Uh, he came up with this concept originally that, that I found, and it was basically this idea that there are five very common themes in people's life who have strong faith, that these five things tend to be catalysts for growing someone's faith. And so over the course of the next six weeks, what we're going to do is today we're going to establish what is faith and and does God really want that for us? And then the next five weeks after this is going to be looking at each of those five themes. And and they're not like a list that you find in the Bible. They're not like a a list of requirement things that we have to do. It's just that when you take a survey and I, I you can survey yourself over the next five, six weeks and see if this is true for you too. The people who have strong faith generally have these five things in common, at least some of them. And so that if we can look at those areas and, and grow in those areas, that we can also grow our faith. And so that'll be our next five weeks after today because that's what I think we need this year. Not the perfect faith that we just imagined a little while ago, but the growing faith that I believe God can give to every single one of us. If you're here today for the very first time, or maybe you're just getting back into church after a bit of like a vacation from church, I wanna encourage you to do this, okay? Please do this. Come back for this whole teaching series. Try to. Try to rearrange your work schedule. Try to just just schedule yourself to be here on Sunday morning for today and the five weeks after that, because I believe it'll lay a foundation. can, Can you imagine... Just looking back and knowing that today was a day where something new started for you and your faith began to grow. And uh, I wanna encourage you to do that. If you've got a Bible today, we're gonna jump into God's word a little bit. Uh, we always love to look at uh, the Bible for some of God's most important truths. And so we're gonna be in the book of Matthew in chapter eight. Matthew chapter eight. Matthew's one of the four biographies of the life of Jesus. Uh, if you don't have a Bible today, uh, we got free ones that we give away over here by the door where you came in. It's a gray shelf. Uh, make sure you grab one on your way out or shoot, feel free to stand up right now and go get one. It's no big deal. Um, or look it up on your phone. But we're gonna be in Matthew chapter eight. And what we're gonna do in this thing today is we're gonna see two people with immense faith and how Jesus responded to them and see how that might plug into our lives today. So in Matthew chapter eight, we're going to start right at verse one and we're going to meet our first of our two people. Here we go. Matthew eight, verse one. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him and a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, Paul's right there. We'll keep reading in a second. In this culture that Jesus lived in, someone with leprosy would have been forced to live on the outside of the community. I mean, they would not be allowed to interact with other people. They would not be allowed to come back home and stay with their family. It was a, it's a terrible disease. It still ruins lives today. We have not completely gotten rid of leprosy. In the poorest areas of the world, there is still leprosy. It's much more treatable today. But back in these days, it was believed to have been untreatable and highly contagious. And so people just steered clear of anyone with leprosy. And so what this guy does by walking up on Jesus is completely against all cultural protocol. You don't do that. If you're a leper, you steer clear. It is, it is unkind, it is inconsiderate, it is rude for you to walk up on somebody with your leprosy and be like, hey, can I talk to you? And, but this is what this guy does. Because here's the deal. Jesus' reputation of being powerful and being able to heal people of like really bad situations, it has spread around even to the leper colonies. And this guy is not concerned with cultural protocol. He's like, I I wanna meet this guy, Jesus. I heard he might be able to make me clean. He says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me 
clean. Uh, this word clean, it means so much more than I can even express right now. And I'm not even gonna try right now. But for a first century Jew, the concept of being ceremonially, ceremonially and religiously clean, that is a big deal. Like if you're unclean, you can't worship with the rest of the people, you can't you know, uh, be with the other people. And so it's, it's more than just disease and physical healing. I'm not even gonna, but just know that it's, it's even deeper than him wanting to be healed. But you can at least understand what it would be like to really want to be healed. I mean, I've sat at bedsides of people who were, who were in their last days. I've held the hands of a man whose kidney had failed and kidneys had failed and there were no other options and, and he's no longer with us. And to look into his eyes and for him to be like, I just wish there was a way out of this. I've had friends who were eat up with cancer and science and medicine and, and wishing on a star. You had reached the end of all the options. And you probably have too. And that's where this guy is. He's on his last option. But he heard about Jesus and he wants to approach him. And he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse three says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Just, I wish I could spend like an hour talking about that sentence. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man that everyone else was scared of. But he says, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. A lot of uh, Jewish religious background to that whole sentence. But the whole idea is like, listen, you're clean. Now go, go see the priest and let him know that you're clean so that you can be reaccepted into the community and all these things. Boom, healed. And Jesus has changed this man's life forever. That's the first guy, Okay. We could talk a lot more about him, but let's go to the second guy. Jesus isn't done yet. Verse five. So when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and asked for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, well, should I come and heal him? Okay, so we're here again. Someone has come to Jesus for help. And one quick point here. Let's meet the centurion. He's a, a Roman soldier. A centurion is kind of an upper ranks guy. Uh, he would not have been a Jewish person. He most likely was. He was Roman by, uh, by his uh, citizenship. I'm not sure exactly where he was from. Rome was a big empire. But he would not have had the same religious or spiritual background as the average Jesus follower. He was just there. And he just heard about Jesus and he's like this leper, he's got a friend who's sick. He's, he says he was suffering terribly and he comes to Jesus. And he said, man, I heard this guy, Jesus has a great track record for healing people, let me see what I can do. And so Jesus seems willing to help. I like Jesus' response, it's pretty cool. Jesus says, well, should I come over to your house? I'll come and visit you, yeah, I can take care of that. But the centurion, he one-ups Jesus and it's a, it's a really cool, this is, don't miss this, verse eight. It says, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one to go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servants, do this and he doesn't. Maybe you're familiar with the phrase that people say, game recognize game. You know that phrase? It means, it means like I recognize skill when I see it. We're in a basketball court and you, and you see, you know, a really good basketball player comes out and he sees another really good basketball player. Even if that other really good basketball player like 
basketball player beats him at a game, they might shake hands and be like, hey man, game recognized game. Like, look, I understand where you are. And this is what the centurion is doing with Jesus. He's like, look, man, I've been leading people for a long time, okay? And I understand how authority works. I tell someone to do something and they do it. Game recognized game here. (laughs) And you're working on some all different level of authority because you're doing stuff that I can't figure out. But what I do know is if you say it's true, it's going to happen. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Skip to verse 13, Jesus says to the centurion, now go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Boom. This guy's life has changed forever. We're here to talk about faith today and, and, and see what it means to grow our faith. And I want to point out something very cool here, especially about this, this second story. Unless I missed it and unless I kind of couldn't find it, this story about the centurion is the only place in all of the scriptures where Jesus is amazed by somebody else's faith. That's pretty cool. Like, I don't know if we should like read too much into that, but it's it's pretty cool. And this guy's not even like your average, you know, Jewish person. He's not even a Jewish person. Here's the thing. Jesus has, uh, people are amazed at Jesus all the time, okay? These two miracles are just the tip of the iceberg for things that Jesus has done. And people are always blown away by what Jesus has done. Uh, and there were even enemies of his. There's nobody. I mean, nobody denied that Jesus did miracles. Even the people who were trying to kill him, and they did successfully kill him, and he then did a miracle to raise from the killing. And, and they, None of those people denied that Jesus did miracles. None of them. And they were all amazed now, Jesus also was amazed at how little faith some people had sometimes. He'd be like, oh, you have little faith. How, how many times am I going to have to tell you this? There's a lot of amazement going on, but this is the only time that we see where Jesus is amazed at a human's faith. And that's, that's pretty cool. Um, this centurion, he wasn't a Jew. He, 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 uh, we don't know what kind of religious person he was at all, but he wasn't Jewish. He wasn't from the places uh, and the backgrounds that the other followers of Jesus are from. In fact, Jesus says that no one else in Israel has faith as great as this man's faith, which is kind of a nice little kick in the ribs for, I don't know, everyone standing around. <laughs> it's like, it, compared to, uh, yep, everyone here, this guy's got the most faith. It's, it's pretty incredible. This Roman centurion, an outsider, a Gentile, guy who probably wouldn't have been allowed to even enter the temple with the rest of the crowd. He didn't speak their language. He probably didn't know much about their religion. He sets the bar for faith. It's pretty cool. Because sometimes I feel unworthy. In my faith, I know I'm not perfect. I know that I've got mess in my life and mess in my past and things that pull me down. I know I've made mistakes. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you didn't come from the best background. Maybe you uh, don't know much about God. Maybe you have some really bad skeletons in your closet that you just wish you could forget about. Maybe you don't read your Bible like you wish you could. Your, your church attendance is pretty spotty, you know? And you're sitting there like, man, I, just, I don't know if I measure up. And I love this story about both the leper and the centurion because I think that if anyone can relate with us, it's those guys. They didn't have it all figured out. They didn't have the top shelf faith. 
Yet God stepped back. Jesus says, I'm amazed that you would even come and ask. I want you to listen to this sentence. This could be a thing that can be something we strive for. This is the sentence. Big faith, big faith thrills and honors God. Big faith thrills and honors God. Like a lot of times when we are in our most honest moments and we're like, God, I want to do the right things. What do I do? Do I go to church more often? Do I give more money to people in need? Do I have a better checklist of all my spiritual disciplines? And all those things are good. But listen, if you want to really thrill and honor God, look through all the Bible and find the times when God is most pleased with someone and it's not how much money they gave to something, how many times they attended something, or how perfect of a track record and how many gold stars they had. It is simply the fact that they were willing to put down their own agenda and trust God. It was faith that God credited to Abraham. We read about that during one of the songs. It was his faith that God said, because of your faith, I'm gonna call you righteous. You read Abraham's story, man. The guy, he's a liar and he's a cheater and he does all these other things that aren't right, lining up right exactly what God wants him to do, but he's trying and he's trying to believe that God is going to lead him where he needs to go. That's one of the joys of reading through scripture is to see where God honors people's faith, trusting him as we take each next step. There's a lot of things we can do to worship and honor God. He does desire our obedience. He wants our minds and our hearts and our actions to align with his mind and his heart and his actions. He wants us to pray. He wants us to learn about him, but faith is the first thing he wants from us, the foundational thing. I trust you. I trust you, and that's going to inform the rest of my decisions. How much do you trust God? That's a raw question. How much? How much do you trust God? Be honest here, okay, because you might really trust God a lot. I mean, there's some people in this room, I'm scanning the room, yeah. Some of you guys blow my mind. And uh, people who trust God more tend to also be more humble, and you might not even realize that you're kind of, you know, blazing the trail for the rest of us. But maybe you're in a place where you're like, you can honestly say, I don't think I have any faith. I've got friends who say, I don't think I, I... I have any faith. It's gone. And things can cause that. I mean, bad situations in our life and when we hit rock bottom and when unexpected things happen, it, it, it can shake our faith. And God knows about those things too. Maybe what you need is a jump start. And if you're someone who has a lot of faith, what you already know is you're not there yet. Because faith is a muscle that continues to grow and to grow and to grow, and to grow. And until you get to each new step of faith, you didn't even realize how good it could be to stand in the presence and the trustful you know, actions of living in God's will for your life. So over the next five weeks, we're gonna explore some catalysts for that growth. I mean, very practical things. I really appreciate practical things. Like if I can start to do this on a daily basis, it's going to cause some growth. And I'm not going to dump, jump in all those right now because I'd be like, you're like, oh, you already preached one message today. Don't preach another one. You got to come back next week and you got to come back for five weeks to, to get all of those or check out our podcast. But there are some very deliberate themes that we can begin to develop and look for in our lives and that each one of those things will begin to grow that faith. But today, here's what I want us to understand. God wants us to have faith. He wants to look into my life and be like, I'm amazed that you would ask. 
that you would ask, that you would trust, that you would step, that you would go, that you would follow. I asked you earlier to imagine perfect faith. Imagine if you have perfect faith. I got good news. I don't think there's any such thing. This is why. Because the word perfect means complete, mature, like, land, like you're there. And yes, there are points at which we can like, we're there. I mean, God, God saves us by his grace. And so it's not like we have to have X number of faith before God will honor that. But you can always grow your faith. And the cool thing is that what God asks for us is not a perfect faith, like you gotta win, like it's a game. Instead he goes, I want you to just trust me one step at a time. Faith by faith by faith. Step by step by step. And there's gonna be moments where we step back and go, oh man, nope, not today. And he's like, over here. You know what repentance is? Repentance is a big churchy word. Here's the thing, repentance is simply a decision to return to faith. (laughs) I'm just gonna look back at God now. I'm going to turn from where I was going. We talk about a 180-degree turn and, you know, five-degree turn. And whatever degree turn you're taking, the whole deal is I'm just going to turn back to God from wherever I was before. Come back to this place. Return to faith. And that's something God wants from us every single day. And so this is just the intro to this idea of faith. So make sure you stick around. But here, here's the thing. One of the most inconvenient ways to start a conversation is, excuse me, does somebody have any jumper cables? But once you get back on the road, you are so glad you asked. And you don't have to do this alone. One of the other cool things about getting your car working again is that if somebody else needs a jump, you're the first one to be like, I got you. <laughs> right? That's what church is. That's what our community is about. That's what family's about. So I want to invite you to continue on that journey. Start today. Can you imagine 10 years from now? Okay, we talked last week about like, it's a new decade. Okay, I'm gonna blow your mind a little bit. Imagine the 2030s. (laughs) But okay, it's gonna get here eventually. Imagine in 2030, it's 10 years from now, you're like, you know what? As I look back over the last 10 years, there was a moment where everything shifted for me. And it began in January of 2020 when I just started to deliberately jumpstart my faith and lean into what God was doing in the world and follow him where he's going. And you will be so glad you did. That was the year I got a jump start. Let's pray together this morning.